Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us. As we explore the mysteries of Scripture. The realm of God. And freedom through Christ. So spread out those wings. And slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to a brand new episode of the podcast. Today we're turning our focus and attention to a question that has been on the hearts and minds of perhaps millions in the last few months. And that question is... Should Christians be political? That is right. It is a great topic we have. Not great because it's an easy one to discuss, but because it's a very difficult topic to discuss. <laughs> and chances are, at the end of this discussion, there will be areas still that have no bridge to connect them as far as opinions go. But if we approach the topic today with a sincere longing to be right before God, I think the rest will be much easier to navigate. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're going to need to know how to navigate like the Vikings needed the stars. Oh my gosh, for real, right? <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. Yeah, this is like one of those topics where I want to say, can we just change the subject to anything else like pulling impacted teeth, tax <laughs> advice, death by paper cuts, anything other than politics? Because there's almost no faster way to enrage someone or to lose friends than by bringing up politics in this day and age. In fact, I found a list of the following topics that are safe for discussion in 2021. Are you ready? Let's hear them. The weather. That's it. <laughs> and even that can get a little bit heated. Yeah. Oh, oh my word. You got me. You got Dad me. Joke. I see what you did there. There you go. Very nice. Well, and then to put the cherry on top, they say religion and politics. And Ooh. boom, snake bird, this is both. Yeah. So... We're, we're going at it from both of them. They say you dare not do. Stephen, I just want you to keep a separation between church and state. <laughs> <laughs> I've got like four faces that popped in my head as you used that tone. Oh, That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> well, I mean, isn't church and religion kind of like oil and water? I, very much so. You would feel like it would be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they do get merged quite often these days. Yes. Which is why it's a topic. Yeah, and why we felt like it was necessary to talk about. Yes, absolutely. And I would also like to note that um, this episode is going to be aimed uh, primarily towards American politics. While the things we discuss is they're going to be good information in general, it is the climate in America that, in particular that God has laid on our hearts to address. Because I think I can speak for many people by saying, Saying that the political divisions in this country have become a cesspool. Yeah. And so we really felt the need, like you said, to speak into what we're seeing and what everyone else is seeing. I think we can speak for everyone. Yeah. We need to be snake birds in this topic. Yeah. Have you seen the memes where <laughs> there's a dumpster fire and then everybody else is like the world looking at America and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. America's labeled as the fire? Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, because I do appreciate your wisdom of classifying this as mostly speaking towards American government versus yeah. the world. Because it is unique compared to many, mm -hmm. most all other countries. So. Yeah. But the principles that we talk about can still be applied yes. to your local government, whether you're in America or anywhere else in the world. Yeah, exactly. That's very true. So. Which we have a faithful listener in France. So yeah. I'm shouting you out. Yeah. Ciao. <laughs> Biden and Trump weren't on your ticket, so just thought we'd mention that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, I did want to touch before we got too deep into it. Um, just kind of an intro on understanding the complexity of this topic. Uh, one thing that I'd really like to say is that we all need to submit to the reality that this is much more complex than almost anyone believes. Yeah. 
a lot of people they're they're one side or the other, and it's very black and white. But it's there's so much gray in this. Mm-hmm. Um, even in Jesus' statement, "Give to Caesar what is Caesar's," which we'll definitely discuss, there is context to be considered that's not as black and white as one might think. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of like a question I once heard on a YouTube Q and A with a pastor um, who I greatly respect, and the question was in regard to uh, damaging issues in someone's church, and the person asked. What does the Bible say about the right time to leave my church if the church isn't healthy? And the pastor answered the question by saying, the Bible doesn't say anything about that specifically, because in the early days of Christianity, there was one church per region. There Mm -hmm. was, you know, the church at Philippi, the church at... And so um, believers back then didn't have the luxury of just going down the street to place membership in another church. (laughs) The Christians had to actually work through their differences like God intended, um, overcoming the cultural and mental hurdles that each of them brought to the table. And the exact same thing can be said in politics or uh, in this topic, because our system is now, you know, it's not the same as it was under Caesar. Mm -hmm. And just like the heartfelt issues in the Corinthian church, uh, Galatia, the church at Ephesus, we too need to work through these political issues that weigh so heavily in our country today. If, in fact, we are even supposed to get involved with it, which we will discuss. Yeah. But it really, um, it, it that all kind of brings me to my first question in the topic, which is, are Christians even supposed to participate in political things? Yeah. Are they, Josh? Uh, <laughs> well, I have to say that uh, in preparing for this, I found this to be a super divisive question because the answer to that can definitely be yes or no for so many various reasons. And then I even think that a second question worth asking, and I'm sure that we'll discuss this, is should Christians have political views outside the considerations of their Christian faith? Or to say it a second way is should Christians have any views that are contradictory to God's word? And of course, the answer is no, but we need to land on why we, you know, why yeah. we agree with that, why, well, like why we yeah. um, adopt that that uh, viewpoint, because there are people that that profess to be believers that hold very loose views of things that I think aren't in line with the with the Word of God. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So it is a very gray area, especially when you're talking about um, looking at it through the eyes of a snake bird. And when we say snake birds, we mean believers. Yes. Because if you're out there and you call yourself a believer in Jesus, he was saying, hey, you're all believers and I want you all to act like snake birds, wise and gentle. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically, well-balanced believers. Yes. Yeah, and, and you know, as every episode goes, me and Josh come from our study corners, and there's this is this is a pretty broad one. So yeah. bear with us if we as we try to navigate this, because Josh and I haven't gone over this all week long. Like you got this, I got that. So it's just what God's laid on our heart, and we hope that it um, brings some insights and things to to apply in your life as you go forward. That's right. But um, I know I got next, Josh, some some verses that uh, people have brought up as political verses. Yes. So should we jump into those? Please. Okay, let's um, let's go to Matthew 22, if that's cool with you. I, I'm right there with you. Right on. Okay, so one of the verses that I've heard quoted a lot to shut down um, kind of the Christian's role in politics is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but I'm going to read it from Matthew 22, 15. And I'm just going to read it a little bit, uh, we'll go 15 to 22, just to get some context. Cool. 
Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words, that's Jesus, and they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully and that you do not care about anyone's opinion for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is on this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled and left him and went away. So... In this in this verse, we have a scene that's it's clearly presented with ill intent from mm-hmm. the start. Yeah, um, they want Jesus to trip up because they knew if he answered them a yes or no, then he would be instantly trapped. <laughs> We've talked about this. Yeah, and in his brilliant answer by um, separating the kingdom of God from the kingdom of this world. And uh, remember that Jesus made this parallel back in the Sermon on the Mount when he said in Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, which I always thought that was a very interesting Mm -hmm. um, two things to bring up. And here we have Jesus again in relation to obsessing over taxes and money, drawing a distinct line between the things of God and the things of this world, two different masters. You might even say this is a heart issue, not a tax issue. Yeah. And it's interesting you talk about Matthew because he came back and said uh, later on, seek first the kingdom of God, just like um, seven verses later, eight verses later. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah, good point, good point. And so I I do not see this verse speaking of whether or not we should obey an overbearing government by paying taxes, but rather choosing between two masters. Mm. Um, But on the flip side of that coin that has Caesar's face on it, (laughs) I thought thought it was funny. (laughs) We we have a very interesting thing said by by Paul in Romans 13, uh, echoed in in 1 Peter chapter 2 as well. Yeah. Uh, can I say one thing about Matthew 22 before we move on? Take it. Uh, one commentator pointed out that if the Israelites had rendered unto God what was God's originally, then they never would have been under Roman rule in the first place. Oh, yeah. That's so true. I mean, That's if you true. think about what the intention that God had when he first established the nation of Israel, he didn't intend for them to be under anyone else's rule. That's true. And if they had just govern themselves under him like he intended, even though we yeah. know prophetically it was going to unravel the way that it did. Yeah. Just because he knew their hearts. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those, uh, hate to say I told you so. <laughs> well, <but. laughs> I mean, even the step from a theocracy to a monarchy was such a a big blow in terms of the history of Israel. And that was really the beginning of the end. Yeah, that's so, true. That's true. That's I, a good I just, point. I thought that was interesting where it's like, if you were walking the way that you needed to, you didn't even have to render under Caesar anything because you wouldn't have been under his rule. Yeah, no, that's very true. I like that. Great, great point. So I do have the entire chapter of Romans 13 in front of me here. I don't think we should read it all. Probably not, no. Josh, do you got that verse handy? Yeah, yeah. Why don't I read uh, 1 through 5, and then I just wanted to touch on verse 7 uh, as it picks back up. So uh, verse 1 says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. 
Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience's sake. And then I'm going to skip to verse 7. Render, therefore, to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot to be said in that, isn't there? There is. For, for anyone who, you know, threw Matthew a second ago <laughs> out the window saying that's not political, this is. This very much is, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's not much left to debate on, on some of the things that Paul says here. Although there are a few points I find very interesting mm-hmm. that uh, that I'd like to touch on. Yes, please. Uh, unless you had yeah. something to say about what you just read, Josh. Well, I I mean, I think it's going to probably parallel what you're going to say. So okay. why don't you go ahead and say it? And if All I right. need to, I'll jump on. So verse one, the, the authorities in place have been established by God. Mm-hmm. Um, verse two, if we oppose them, then we oppose the ordinances of God. Verse 3, those rulers are only to be feared if you were evil and not good. And then echoed again, we find in in 1 Peter 2.14 that all rulers are put in place by God to punish evil and not good people. Mm -hmm. And and I I had to think to myself as I read these things, something has to be wrong here. Have you ever heard of Hitler? Have you ever heard of Joseph Stalin? Mm -hmm. Leaders put in place by God who have been quoted to say there should not be one single church left within the borders of Soviet Russia, and the idea of God will have been banished from the Soviet Union as a remnant of the Middle Ages? Or how about we do not want any other God than Germany itself? I mean, I was thinking to myself, they were placed by God, and they only punish evil people, so don't fear if you're not evil. That sounds contradictory. Very much so. Yeah. And... I would say, bear with us as we tell you the answer is yes, they were put there by God. And the reason, aside from the inevitable ending known as Armageddon, is to punish evildoers, just as we are told if you read it closely in 1 Peter 2 and Romans 13. Mm-hmm. So I I found that very... Um, I. I was quite, you know, the whole thing that Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And this yeah. isn't a salvation deal, but it's no. a, it's a thing where I'm reading God's word. I'm putting my trust in it, but it says something that sounds so contradictory because yeah. it's not what we see. You come to something that's really tough to swallow and you're trying to reconcile it and you go, well, how does this line up with yeah. a God that says he's in control and he loves us? And yeah. how do you establish a ruler like, uh, Herod Antipas, or, yeah. you know, or it's like common core math. I was like, what's going on here? You know, I, mean, I was trying two to wrap plus my... two doesn't equal five. <laughs> exactly. Math is math. <laughs> oh, for real. So I, I just found that really interesting. And I know there's other people out there that I've heard bring that to the table mm-hmm. too. And, and it's a valid, it's a valid thing that comes into our mind. Yeah. It made me think of the book of Habakkuk. Okay. Where Habakkuk doesn't have a lot going for it in terms of like joy. I didn't, I didn't even know those books. So. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> so basically, the book of Habakkuk is going, hey, just so you know, 
you guys have done evil and I am going to bring some judgment on you through uh, the Babylonians mm. and just prepare yourself. And, and at the end of the chapter or the, at the end of the book, at, it's the end of chapter three, there's such a, a hopeful verse where it's like, even though there's no food left in the barn and even though there's no fruit on the vine, God is faithful and he's going to take care of you. But in the whole time, it's like we're bringing the Babylonians and they are going to step on you. Yeah. And, and it's for um, a purpose. Yeah, it is. It, it would be akin to China taking over America mm-hmm. and, and us being like, this is God's plan. Yeah. You know? Yeah, which... When or you're, whatever country. I'm when you're very patriotic, that's a tough pill to swallow. It is. And it, it was for the Jews. <laughs> yeah, very. Yeah. Yeah, they... they There's only a few like Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They they weren't really willing to receive that at the time. And that's why they needed the prophets to kind of go, yeah. this is what's happening. And I, I'm thankful for the contextualization that we have and, and the ability to read it and go, okay, God was faithful even to tell them what's going on. That's true. That's true. And they had something to hang on to from from their creator, from mm-hmm. their, their God. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about Hitler, and, and of course, that's such a difficult subject because Hitler is responsible for over six million deaths of mm-hmm. Jews. Of and people that, who they, he wasn't attacking yes. them because they were evil. Yes. And that's God's chosen people, I yeah. mean, mixed in there, a, a majority of them. Yeah, that's true. You know. That's true. And, you know, that's that's why I brought it up, because I thought it was a good idea to, to dive at least a little bit into the mm-hmm. the reason God would do such a thing. Yeah. So, um, are you, you got any more to say, Josh? Well, nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to dive into my... <laughs> um, one more thing from First Peter. I really appreciate that it says, Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance or institution of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of the evildoers, for the praises of those who do good. And then even later on in those verses, he says, fear God, but honor the king or honor the president, honor Mm -hmm. those that I've placed in power. And that's not always easy. No, it's not. You know, if if we're just still camping out in those verses, those are some of the observations that I had because you think about the hashtag that's been going around for the last um four to i don't know 12 years not my president yeah oh yeah you know and i'm and like it, it's a it's a that six cycle carousel it, yeah. it comes back around and you hear it again every four years yeah exactly it's it's hard to honor someone you don't agree with or mm-hmm. or perhaps even an evil person yes. like some of these that we're going to look at yeah so uh in and on that note um just a few to consider um one evil ruler that was called over 150 years before his birth was named Cyrus, and mm. he was not a godly man. He was evil. Yet, we're told in Isaiah 44:28, it is I who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he will carry out all my desire. He says of Jerusalem, she will be built, and of the temple your foundation will be laid. And God is not calling Cyrus here, who he put in place, his shepherd, because he's righteous, but because he is being used to pave the way for the Mm -hmm. righteous. Mm -hmm. And Isaiah 45, 1 and 2 confirms this. This is what the Lord's, and I'm reading it now. This is what the Lord says to Cyrus, his anointed, whom I have taken by the right hand, to subdue nations before him. 
and to undo the weapons belt on the waist of kings, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the rough places smooth. I will shatter the doors of bronze and cut through their iron bars. In hindsight, it's 2020, listener. When we have the luxury to look back on what God has done after the fact, even using evil rulers, we see that the atrocious and wicked things that were done to people through them were already going to take place Mm -hmm. because this fallen world is headed for the end. It's headed for judgment. God is just orchestrating evil rulers in place that will eventually guide them into ultimate judgment along with the rest of those who have chosen evil over good. So when we see the Bible tell us to submit to the authorities who have been put in place, God is simply telling us to accept the route he has put into place. Mm -hmm. He's not telling us to accept the actions of these rulers or to obey them when the request would result in disobeying God. We see many places where we're to obey God rather than man, like in Acts 5.27. God is asking us to submit in the form of toleration when it comes to things that must happen on the path that leads to the judgment of evil. Mm -hmm. And I just found that to be such... a a profound thing that we should grasp because it's not contradictory. Yeah. It's very, um, it's something that that should be considered in context. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, for sure. I, I was going to save this for later, but I think this fits in right here because you talk about um, what would our epistle look like if Paul was instructing us on how to interact with our government in this day and age. And you have to go back and look at what believers uh, experienced. Mm. And I found somebody saying this, believers throughout the ages have lived or even flourished under antagonistic, repressive pagan governments. This was especially true of the first century believers who, under the merciless political regimes, sustained their faith under immense cultural stress. They understood that it was they, not their governments, who were the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And you know, I mean, it comes back to the point where you think about um, at times we've heard of um, like China saying, we're praying for the persecution of the Church of America <laughs> because we've seen what it's done to our faith and how it's grown us, even though, I mean, they are very much still repressed and they don't have the ability to openly meet like we do. Yeah. They don't have the ability to go, I don't agree with the church that I'm at. I'm going, <laughs> yeah. right down the street to this church and going, well, let me tell you about what happened over there. You know, they, they don't have the luxury of arguing about nonsense. <laughs> no. <laughs> like they, we do. <laughs> they don't, you know? And so, I mean, it's, we have a very different situation, mm-hmm. but we have, I feel like um, we have to like the ancient church flourish even in the midst of what our situation is. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. So, um, with the understand, you good if I take off, Josh? Yeah. Still? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, those you are didn't really, at all. really profound points. Um, but with the understanding um, that we're to submit to all governing authorities for the sake of accepting God's route to judging evil, uh, I think we should now consider the rare case of America because mm-hmm. you just mentioned it. It's it's not the same mm-hmm. as China. It's not the same as as other countries. 
and where the citizens themselves, they have a choice in who those governing authorities are. Mm -hmm. That is um, unique in the way that we have it. Uh, In a sense, America is like Israel in the time of the judges, where we have chosen leaders who cater to what is right in our own eyes. Mm -hmm. Uh, In most of human history, people were told who their leaders were, uh, whether by emperors handed down through dynasties or kings through similar avenues. People, for the most part, have not had a choice in the leaders put in place. And that is what makes American politics different than those put in place during the time that Romans and First Peter were penned. So, um, you know, we choose who we submit to. And to tell you the truth, it's no surprise seeing the dilemmas we now have because our country has slowly been pushing God out of society. Mm-hmm. The leaders we have chosen are actually a reflection of our own face in the mirror. And let me tell you, we ugly. <laughs> we really are. Yeah. And we're seeing, we're seeing a reflection of us. Mm-hmm. And the question at this point has to be one of moving forward because we can't go back and undo what has been done. Um, Should we have a fatalistic approach to politics with a mindset of just submitting to authority? Or should we consider that the American system of electing leaders gives us a say in who those governing authorities are? There's something to to choose there. Yeah. And and there's people on both sides of it that I respect. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with that being said, I have some thoughts on what a biblical approach to participating in American politics should look like, some things to consider before entering that battle. But what are your thoughts on it, Josh? I mean, are you as undecided as me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was telling you even before we started recording and, and we almost got in a fight. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we broke up. Yeah. <laughs> I said, going into this, I don't know if I could have a more ambiguous answer, even in my own heart, to what the the realization of this question should be because I feel like to everyone who um, has a calling, it's going to be a different degree of participation. Yeah. And one of the things that I found is we should vote. We, we definitely have a voice, you know, and so we should use that Mm -hmm. and we should stand up for those that are oppressed. We should stand up for those that Jesus would come and say, Hey, that person is not receiving care, you know, but I also landed in the other pool where it says that we can only put so much faith in politics because Mm -hmm. we can't rely on politicians to, um, bring, our country back to its moral roots. That's true. And the only thing that can ever fix the morality of our nation is to be Christians, Mm -hmm. is to walk with Jesus. And so, again, there's that fine line of going, well, how much much should somebody dive in versus abstain? And I I know we've been talking a lot about fatalistic theology, Mm -hmm. and I think... um, Doing nothing is is absolutely a problem as well. Yeah, that's true. Well, and and I, I bring I bring uh, John Piper up here in a little bit, mm-hmm. and, and I've heard him preach sermons on um, why he doesn't participate in voting. And the way he lays it out, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it because of the system that he's talking about that he doesn't want to be a part of. He doesn't. Um, it, he lays it out in a way that I respect, but at the same time, uh, it's a little fatalistic. Yeah, and so it, it's it's hard because I mean, I I, I gotta say I, I think he's closer to God than I am, but, yeah. but he has a different you know, and so yeah, yeah obviously I'm saying that tongue in cheek. No, but, I, I do, but it, it is a uh, man. There's it's a hard thing. 
Well, and I I found some quotes from Piper as well that I thought, man, that's powerful. (laughs) Funny, the guy that doesn't participate in politics, we're finding quotes about politics. (laughs) Well, because it comes back to that level of activism. And then I also feel like that this is a day and age of polarization is that we're typically lumped in with our our party classification to – to say the least. Yeah. And we have to pick sides. And a lot of times people, they just, once you say you're one thing, they label you that That's way. That's so true. And and maybe it's my naivete. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but maybe it's my uh, naiveness speaking. But I was shocked when I went to vote this year and I had to choose a path for voting. And, and maybe that doesn't sound crazy to anyone else, but once I had selected my political party leaning, I could only vote for those in my party. And I was a little I was a little taken aback. Oh yeah. Yeah, Texas we didn't have straight ticket voting this no. year. No. Yeah. Yeah. I I couldn't believe it. I didn't realize Ross Perot wasn't on the ticket anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually had to go through there. I didn't even know who they that were. That is a timely <laughs> reference. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> no, no, you're so right. You're so right. But there is no uh, Christian political party. And I believe that there are values of one party that will vastly much greater match up with those of the Christian faith, but not, by no means all of them. And I think that this is where being a snake bird like Jesus suits us. He constantly shrugged the arbitrary labels that was placed on him by the crowd. Mm -hmm. And we've said this before, but oftentimes he was considered too worldly for the religious and too religious for the worldly. And I mean, that's where I just, this is such a sensitive subject that I feel bad um, because even today talking to my wife, she was saying she found somebody on on Facebook who said they were leaving the church because the church didn't take a strong enough stance to protect somebody um, from a realm of saying like they should have been more politically active mm. in terms of um, outrage gotcha. about a certain issue. And, and that is where it just becomes so difficult because you're like, where do I offend somebody? Where do I start uh, leaning more into nationalism and patriotism versus Christianity? Well, and see, and that's that's the thing. That's the reason I respect, like, for instance, Piper, who chose not to vote in that mm-hmm. sermon I heard, because, yeah. because there's decisions that have to be made. Um, case in point, you just mentioned uh, you don't have to be all of what that party says. Um, belief-wise, you're right. But when you vote that way, you do Mm -hmm. because you don't get partial. Yeah. And so that is even another cherry on top that you have to consider because you're not you're not given the luxury of choosing gray, half of them and half of them. And forgive my language, but that stoinks, you know, (laughs) because I mean, because the moment that you do that and you are even outspoken about it, then you are, in a sense, labeling yourself and you're you're putting yourself in that specific bucket Mm -hmm. that draws criticism and you're like well hold on which i i will add it's one of the reasons um look it up for homework one of our founding fathers says that a two-party system is not a good idea mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons we're in some of this quagmire yeah so which okay. that's a whole nother topic yeah <laughs> but speaking of piper can i read a yeah. little bit of the quote that i found because i thought this was really interesting and again i understand the pushback on it from some people mm-hmm. uh what i appreciate what he was saying is um what his calling was versus what he felt like it would take for him to 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 
really give everybody a, a fair shake, he goes, I don't have that kind of time. I don't have time mm. to research all this stuff. I don't have time to see if Bernie Sanders and his middens have a good idea about socialism. Yes. <laughs> you know? Sorry, that meme has been uh, everywhere for the last m- months. Yeah, we don't need and, to explain uh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is what he said. He said, my main calling is not to help America be anything, but to help the church be the church. I want to help the church be the radical outpost of the kingdom of Christ. No matter what kind of America it happens to be or in any other people group or country in the world. And what he's saying is like, even if America falls, which I mean, if you're into biblical prophecy and you're like, well, where's America in the end times? And a lot of people say it's not there. Um, that he, even if America falls and it falls apart, he goes, I'm just worried about people and their relationship to Jesus. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah. And I mean, do I want America to fall? No. No. No, because. I, I really love living in this country. There's so yeah. many freedoms and there's so many wonderful things. It, it's sad to watch some of the moral degradation that we've seen, but I still believe um, in the, the the founding principles of this nation. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But we're Christians first. Yeah. And that's it's hard because, you know, there's nothing wrong with patriotism. I know veterans who who have had friends and some that have even died for this country, mm-hmm. and there's there's a very strong um, sense of patriotism because I mean freedom is not cheap, yes, and it, and it's not free. I mean you, there's a price for freedom, yes, and so I, I understand patriotism, and and but at the same time, uh, the life changing gospel is what I am first, yes, and and when you mix patriotism with spirituality. Then it becomes idolatry in a in a form, and yeah. it can be really dangerous. That's true. If you don't hold the line and, and keep the two separated, because um, even in the last few months, there's been things that have come out where it's like, don't you understand your Bible? This was supposed to happen. And yeah. people put their faith in patriotism versus what God said in the long run, and it really burns some people. Yeah, that's very true. You know— I was I was actually fixing to jump into my next spot here, but as I got to looking at this, I mean, we're already sitting into some time here, yeah. and we still got quite a bit to say. So we weren't sure if this was going to be a one-er or a, or a two-per. Looks like it's going to be a two-per. <laughs> yeah. Just so you know, a two-per is something that you wear when you don't have a lot of hair. <laughs> <laughs> like Shatner's old toupee. <laughs> there you I like go. it. But... You know, guys, stick with us on this next one or come back because we still got a lot of really important things, some some current things we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. not just um, verses and looking back 2,000 years ago. We're going to talk about some very um, good application for current things we're seeing and what people are saying and, yeah. and whatnot. So I think we really need to do a part two. And I don't even know if we've nailed down our answers yet. So <laughs> yeah, I know it's <laughs> to, such, it's to leave you in the dark. You got to come back for part two to, to fully understand what we're trying to say. Clickbait. There you go. <laughs> 
So, um, well, thank you for listening. Uh, we're so thankful for your support. We're thankful that um, we're seeing you guys reach out and ask questions, especially uh, things that are culturally relevant. And so if you want to weigh in on this and you want to tell us some of your thoughts, you can always connect with us on uh, Facebook. Um, send us a Facebook message to our Snakebird page, or you can even email us at connect at snakebird.com because this is a community and we'd love to hear uh, what your take is on it. That's right, guys. We're, we're super grateful for you. And um, even recently, we appreciate the reviews that we get and all of that stuff. So we, we just thank you guys for being with us. And, you know, in a world that's so divisive these days, it, it is so important for us to come together as snake birds because the, the church and the body of Christ is to be unified. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why we talk about these things. Yeah. So we're... We're just thrilled that we have y'all with us, and let's keep this going so that we can be a better body of Christ. We can, we can be that bride when He comes back. Amen. And and to what Stephen said earlier, let's be well balanced. Mm-hmm. Let's walk that line that Jesus called us to as snake birds. Amen. So, <laughs> so snake birds, always remember whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what the political spectrum throws at you, there's never been a better time to vote for Jesus <laughs> and, and be a snake bird. Snake bird.